When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Texas Sports Nation podcast. I'm Steve Schaefer, along with Astros beat writer Chandler Rome, and we are talking 2022 World Series, fourth ball classic appearance for the Astros in the last six seasons. And Chandler, they're playing the Philadelphia Phillies. A big disparity in records, 106 wins in the regular season for the Astros, not 87 for the Phils, but if 2019 taught us anything, you can't just look at the records. Nor did 2021. Uh, this is the third consecutive year where the Astros will play a National League East team that stuck into the playoffs and got very hot. You can never take anything for granted. I mean, the Astros were probably about as heavy of a favorite in 2019 as any World Series team in history, and then they proceeded to lose all four home games that they had. Um, the, the Braves are a little bit of a different story in 2021. They That was a really good club that just had a, a bad month to start the season and could never really climb out of it. Um, but the Astros and the Phillies, you know, this Phillies club, you can't help but sort of look at it and think this is a team of destiny. Just kind of the way that they have gone about this, the big hits they've had, um, the way that Philadelphia is just absolutely going insane for this club. Um, you know, the way they got here with Bryce Harper hitting a huge two-run home run, the $330 million man, the guy that um, they, they, they paid to take them to the promised land. Well, he's got them one step closer. And um, this is a Phillies club that, on paper, the Astros are, are certainly better. They're the deeper club. They have better pitching. They have better pitching depth. They are a better defensive club. Uh, I think the two lineups are, are, are – you could have a healthy debate about which lineup is better. But uh, I think the Astros kind of do have – an edge in just about every category, but they, they play these games on the field, not on paper. We've seen the Astros now for seven postseason games. They've won all of them, seven and zero. What are your top takeaways from what we've seen in the postseason from this club? Well, I, I think a you have to look at just the pitching. Uh, the pitching has been incredibly good. Um, the fact that they have won seven playoff games with Jose Altuve getting three hits, um, one of which was an infield single, um, should really just kind of give a testament to a lot of things. A, the pitching depth, the fact that, you know, they threw 18 scoreless innings in Seattle in a game that'll be talked about for a long time is probably the best pitch game in franchise history. They, they went up to New York and the Bronx and just absolutely shut the Yankees down. And I think the, the thoroughness with which they picked apart the Yankees, uh, I don't know if it surprised me because I, I thought the Yankees were, were down. I think they were a down club. They, they, had a few guys out to injury with DJ LeMayhew, Andrew Benintendi, Scott Efros, the reliever they acquired at the deadline. So it was not a representative, you know, Yankees team, but still 
Um, the Astros just completely manhandled them, picked them apart pretty easily. Um, I think certainly Jeremy Pena's resurgence and his kind of coming out party, if you will. And I hate to call it a coming out party because he really has been this steady all year. Now, the offense hasn't been like this all year, but he's certainly been as composed and as stoic as any rookie I've ever seen. The moment's never too big for him. Um, he's come up in some huge spots for them. and. While Altuve is struggling to find it, while Jordan Alvarez had a pretty poor American League Championship Series, um, Jeremy Pena stepping up, Yuli Gurriel uh, kind of re- re- rediscovering his form from 2021, kind of bathing in an October fountain of youth, if you will. Uh, you know, I think those two guys have certainly stepped up when when this team needed them because um, the pitching, I think, is good enough to carry this team. Like, I, I, and I think we've said that since the beginning of the season. That this team was only going to go as far as its pitching staff takes it. Uh, but at some point, like, they would like to pitch with some form of a cushion, and like where one mistake is not going to kill them in a ball game. Um, I, I think you know it would be nice if the Astros could give their pitchers a little bit of cushion, but they haven't needed it. I mean, it's been it's been a really remarkable uh, postseason run, and one that I, I think you know. When you look back to that first game against the Mariners in the ALDS, how poorly they played uh, for six innings, and then they're a strike away from losing that game two separate times, and they come back and win it, and they really haven't looked back yeah, since. Yeah, that was really the one game where the pitching staff um, gave up a substantial number of runs, and it was six on Justin Verlander. The bullpen, 33 innings in this postseason, has allowed three earned runs, a 0.82 ERA, and there's just – no shortage of arms. It's been remarkable. And I guess one thing that's helped that bullpen is the starters for the Astros, particularly in the majors in this day and age, can go deep. So it's kind of kept the bullpen arms fresh, I guess. And maybe, is that what we're seeing pay off here in October and perhaps November? I think that's part of it. Uh, I think also it's that they have five relievers that they trust. I mean, so even when they don't, uh, even when the starters don't go deep, you know, you can go to a five man relief core of, Ryan Stanek, Hector Neris, Rafael Montero, Brian Abreu, Ryan Presley. And you've got five relievers. I mean, that can cover five innings. I mean, if you, if you throw them an inning apiece, if your starter leaves after four innings and has a, has an, uh, has a blow up like that, you can go to your lever- you can go to five leverage guys. So those are five guys they inherently trust. And, you know, they're going to face a Phillies team that they have like three guys that they trust. I mean, having a five-man bullpen of, guy, of leverage relievers that you trust intimately is that, – that's just not seen nowadays. And, the depth that they have is um, certainly something that um, I, I couldn't have envisioned before the season because it took a lot of, you know, it took a lot of turnarounds. You know, I couldn't have envisioned Rafael Montero being this team's setup man, but his command's gotten better. He's throwing 97, 98. The changeup's been really good. Um, I couldn't have envisioned Brian Abreu being now this team's probably its best reliever um, the last two or three months. And, and he has, certainly authored a, a complete turnaround uh, from a couple of years ago. So they've needed guys to step up. They've needed guys to turn around. They needed just reclamation projects that took a flyer on and, they, and they've worked. And then, you know, it's just been good, shrewd signings. You know, James Click deserves credit for Ryan Stanek. He deserves credit for Hector Neris, two guys that he signed himself. And, you know, um, I, I think when you have such depth um, that a guy like Ryan Stanek, who set a franchise record for uh, the lowest ERA by a reliever in franchise history. He's pitched twice in the postseason because they haven't needed him because there's four guys pitching better than him. And when you have four guys pitching better 
than your fran- your single season franchise record holder for lowest ERA. That, that that just that is the epitome of this team's depth, and it's the envy of the entire sport. It's funny about the offense because it's almost like all season we've been waiting for maybe this offensive eruption, and it's just kind of like one guy gets hot here, another guy gets hot here, but they do do a remarkable job of picking each other up. You mentioned Altuve over his first 25. Now he is free for his last eight. So maybe that's something people can hang their hat on. But um, another example, you mentioned Yuli Gurriel now coming through in the playoffs. If somebody gets called and Jeremy Payne, here's a stat for you. I don't know what this means, but since every, when Jeremy Payne, bats second in the lineup, including the postseason, the Astros are 49 and seven. That is 875 baseball. But another guy, even the bottom of the order got some production at ALCS. Is it time we throw a little love to Chaz McCormick? The Philly boy going home. Well, he's not exactly from Philly. He's from Westchester, Pennsylvania, about 35 miles outside of Philly. He is he is pumped to go home. Um, he said he's gonna have a lot of family and friends rooting against him because they're all Phillies fans. He was a uh, he was a Phillies fan growing up. Started reciting their entire 2008-2009 rosters. Uh, the one that 2018 did win the World Series. So it's gonna be cool for Chaz to go back. He's never played at Citizens Bank Park, and the first time he gets to play there will be in a World Series game. So that's gonna be really cool for him. And it's certainly, you know, he has quieted any concerns about center field. I think before the the playoffs, that was atop the list of things that could maybe hinder the Astros. Who was going to play center field and what sort of production were they going to get out of them? Well, Chaz McCormick has taken that position in the playoffs and just run with it. And it invites wonder kind of why it took so long for this to happen. You know, why didn't, why wasn't he playing regularly in the regular season? Why didn't they just kind of give him the job and let him go? Um, but he's, you know, uh, the thing with him, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird with him. He's not a great pull side hitter. He hits a bunch of opposite field home runs. And in the ALCS, they, they played in two ballparks with a short porch in right field at Minute Maid Park and, and, and at, at a Yankee Stadium. And he used both of those to his advantage. Uh, he's going to be playing at Minute Maid Park. I don't know Citizens Bank's dimensions right off the top of my head, but I do believe it has a shorter right field than most. So um, that could be an advantage to him as well. But um, you know, he's, he's certainly battled through a lot. You know, he was, he was a lot of people forget in June, he was demoted to the minor leagues. He never went down because Michael Brantley got hurt the next day and they had to bring him back up to take his spot on the roster and he never left. But, um, at one point he was demoted to the minor leagues. They wanted to send him down to, to work on just his swing and just his approach and stuff. And, you know, the way he's come back and the way he has asserted himself at the bottom of that order, it's, it's been remarkable. And it's the kind of thing you need, the kind of thing this offense needed going into the postseason. Cause like we talked about before the postseason, you know, they had four really good hitters and Altuve, Bregman, Tucker, and Alvarez. You can make the case that two of them just have not shown up and Tucker and, and Altuve Tucker had the Tucker had a home run in the ALDS. That was huge. But other than that, really hasn't shown up. Altuve has not shown up in the postseason. Alvarez didn't show up in the ALCS. He had two huge swings, obviously, in the DS, but really hasn't shown up. And then Bregman's been very steady. Uh, but with three of their best four hitters not producing, you know, they turned around and they won seven straight uh, because of guys like Chaz McCormick, Yuli Gurriel, and Jerry. And you look at the um, the way the starting pitching in this series is shaping up. Justin Verlander and Framber Valdez certainly will go in games one and two. Phillies have a couple of really good ones in Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. But then that's, again, another area where we kind of see rotation depth on the Astros' side. Yeah, I I don't know who's going to pitch for the Phillies in games three and four. I believe Ranger Suarez will pitch one of them. 
Maybe Noah Syndergaard, maybe Bailey Falter. I don't know, but they're not Zach Wheeler and they're not Aaron Nola. And the Phillies are going to be at a marked disadvantage in games three, four, and five. I know it'll be at home. They'll be at Citizens Bank Park and they'll have that advantage. But on the field, um, you know, their, their depth beyond Wheeler and Nola is pretty non-existent. And it makes it imperative for the Phillies to try to steal at least one of these games at Minute Maid Park, game one and two. Because, look, Wheeler and Nola are good enough to beat the Astros. They are ace-level pitchers. I don't think you want to put them in the same plane as Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg from 2019. I don't think they're that good, but they're good. And they can they can very easily stymie the Astros, but the Astros have two of their best going in Verlander and Valdez and um, be low, close game, low-scoring games. And I think for the Phillies to have any chance in this series – I think they're going to have to win at least one of these games at Minute Maid Park. Send it back to Citizens Bank Park, tied at one. Ride the home crowd. Get Aaron Nola back on the mound for game five. Because the key for the Phillies to winning this series is Nola and Wheeler are both going to have to pitch twice, and they're both going to have to be electric uh, both times out. They may, if the Phillies win this World Series, it may be they win four games. And Nola and Wheeler. Style. Yeah, that'd be interesting. And of course, yeah, it, that formula worked in the NLCS. They split at San Diego and then they didn't have to go back. They did sweep at Citizens Bank. Um, you wrote a, an article that is on HoustonChronicle.com uh, as we are speaking. It'll be in the pages of the Houston Chronicle on Thursday morning that I think uh, is very insightful about a couple of things that we could see come into play in this series. And those are the Astros' ability to make contact and what might not really be a gold glove defense for Philadelphia all the way around the diamond, except maybe behind the plate. Yeah, the, this is probably the worst defensive team to make a World Series in a very long time. And certainly since publicly available defensive metrics ha- have been out there, um, the Phillies are, are just not good defensively at all. And, and they've known it since day one. You know, they, they didn't really shy from it. Dave Dombrowski, their veteran president of baseball operations, I mean, he, he prioritized slug. He prioritized power. He got Kyle Schwarber. He got Nick Castellanos. Um, neither of those guys is a great defender. Um, the left side of their infield is a liability. Alec Bohm's one of the worst defensive third basemen in baseball. Bryson Stott at shortstop's okay. He makes the routine plays, but he's not a plus defender. Um, so here's the thing with the Astros, you know, and you saw it in you saw it play out in Yankee Stadium where the Yankees were. I mean, they were woeful in their strikeouts. I believe they struck out 50 times in that series. The Astros only struck out 25 times in in four games. Um, They had the second highest contact rate in baseball all year, only behind the Guardians. They struck out the second fewest times in baseball this year, only behind the Guardians. Um, They're going to put the ball in play. It may not be a base hit, but they're going to make the defense catch and throw and field. And the Phillies have not shown that they can do that competently. I mean, there was no more better example of, of this than game four of the ALCS when Jeremy Pena, you know, gets down one, two against Jonathan Loisaga in the seventh, fouls out, fouls off a couple pitches, then, you know, doesn't hit the ball hard, but he puts the ball in play. He doesn't strike out, puts the ball in play, grounds it to second base for a tailor-made double play ball. Glaber Torres and Isaiah Conner-Falefa can't turn it. Uh, two pitches later, Jordan Alvarez singles, Alex Bregman singles, and the Ashers have a lead and they have the tenant. So, there could be some sequences like that where, you know, the Astros, it may not be hit hard. It may not be the greatest aesthetically pleasing thing in the world, but they're going to make the Phillies play defense and the Phillies don't do yeah. that. And one thing I like about the, I think uh, I was thinking about game one of the ALCS Astros struck out only twice in that game. Yankees struck out 17 times. 
And it just increases your opportunities maybe to get that extra long ball. If, if the Yankees essentially have 10 balls in play outs where the Astros have 25, I'm not going to say we're going to see those extremes in this series. It just uh, because the Astros have the capability of striking out some of these Philly bats. I mean, Kyle Schwarber struck out 200 times this year. So while we may think, hey, he's got five postseason home runs, odds are he's going to fan some. And I would also remind listeners that Schwarber was three for 25 for the Red Sox in the ALCS against the Astros last year. As we look at this series, I guess one thing that we should mention before we wrap it up is the manager of the Astros, Dusty Baker. Um, 25th year in managing, his third trip to the World Series, lost last year, lost in 2002. Um, what what effect do you think he has had on this ball club since he's come? I, I think that one thing is interesting is if if the Astros don't get involved in a sign-stealing scandal, Dusty Baker isn't even here in position to win this World Series. Uh, baseball can work in mysterious ways. But um, what is your perception of the team's feelings about Dusty and what these next four to seven games mean to him? Well, I think it's a little bit of a stretch to say he probably wouldn't be here because we're seeing more in vogue now. Older managers are getting other chances. Buck Showalter's managing the Mets. Bruce Bochy just got hired to manage the Rangers. I mean, all, the old experienced manager is now in vogue, so maybe Dusty would have had a chance. But I, I think the thing that I think the thing that I didn't appreciate about Dusty early on that I have come to really appreciate the way he did it. You know, he inherited a spot here that had a pretty entrenched culture, that had a pretty entrenched chemistry, that had a very uh, specific way of doing things and a specific way of carrying itself. And the one thing Dusty Baker did is nothing. He came in and let it be. Like he knew that these guys knew how to take care of their business. He knew about the clubhouse chemistry they had. And he didn't go in there trying to alter it. He didn't go in there trying to instill new things, try to, you know, turn things upside down. He lets these guys be themselves. And I think that's why they like him so much. It's why they respect him so much. Um, the Astros have had more hands-on managers. Uh, Dusty very much prefers his coaches to have autonomy uh that his coaches do a lot of the work for him you know but dusty's making the decisions he's writing the lineup out and i i think you know for him i don't think he has to i i think they could cancel the world series tomorrow and dusty would still be a hall of famer i, I don't think he needs a world series to solidify his hall of fame resume he's already in i, I do think though it would be a nice uh cherry on the top for a career that, you know, he gave a lot to this sport, you know, both on and off the field as an ambassador, as someone that, you know, has earned league-wide respect. Um, certainly he deserves, uh, you don't, I mean, you only, you only, the only thing you deserve is what you earn. And I think the Astros have earned their way here. Um, but Dusty deserves to go out with a World Series. And I think the Astros are, they're four wins away from earning it. Well, it's one of the storylines of many that we'll be watching over the next uh, several nights. All the games this year start at 7.03 Central. Game one is Friday, game two Saturday, games three, four, and five in Philadelphia, Monday through Wednesday. And if necessary, games six and seven back at Minute Maid Park next Friday and Saturday. We might uh, mention that if you want more analysis on this series, if you'll go to the Houston Chronicles Twitter page, 
We did a Twitter Spaces conversation, not only Chandler and myself, but also with Danielle Lerner and Brian T. Smith and Matt Young of the Houston Chronicle and covered a little bit more terrain as far as this World Series is concerned. That's the Houston Chronicle Twitter page, and uh, that is recorded. You should be able to listen to that uh, at your leisure if you want to. And I remind you, as always, you can follow the Astros and Chandler Rome's outstanding coverage of them at the pages of uh, the HoustonChronicle.com and the Chronicle, as well as at Twitter at Chandler underscore Rome. Uh, we thank you for listening to this edition of the Texas Sports Nation podcast, as with all of our podcasts over the course of this season. And we look forward to a very um, exciting and uh, fruitful, perhaps, for the Astros World Series. 